Eye on 2020, episode 312. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. Hey, what's up, everybody? Ray in here, your host of Ion 2020. Appreciate you joining me for another look from a libertarian perspective at the 2020 election cycle. Also taking a look at the news of the day as well. So uh, Thursday, I came home from work, and I was having a little bit of a fever. And my wife got a little freaked out. She quarantined me. And the next day, I went and took a... Um, a COVID test, and I ended up coming out negative, but I just wanted to talk about that for a minute. Um, it was kind of the weirdest thing, man. I was just feeling rough for like the entire day Thursday, a little bit, slightly a little bit on Wednesday evening, right before I went to bed. Thursday, I woke up and I was just, you know, feeling like a ton of bricks hit me, man. And I went about my day. I took some Advil like I normally would, went about my normal day and came home that night and I had a fever and my wife threw me in the room and I started doing some research trying to figure out where I'm going to get tested at. Cause I just, you know, for, for family's sake and also for work's sake or whatever, um, I just wanted to make sure that I did not have the virus and I just wanted to, you know, generally make sure that I was okay to get out there and do my normal job. Now I take precaution when I'm doing my normal job anyway. I do wear a mask when I'm out there just because I want to respect the rights, not the rights of other people, but also the, um, the feelings of other people, especially if they are really worried about COVID as well, especially if I come in contact with someone that's older. I am in sales, so most of my, most of my contacts are individual one-on-one, you know, conversations. Usually I have those outside. I'm not really going into people's offices or anything like that right now. Uh, typically we'll kind of chat outside of their business, their place of business. Uh, sometimes I will go in as well, but like I said, we are taking general precautions being out there, uh, just cause that is the courteous thing to do as well as that's the normal thing to do. Uh, when you're dealing with people, you just want to respect their, them, you know, I don't want to, as a libertarian, I always want to make sure that I am, uh, you know, respecting other people as well. So anyway, um, I just want to make sure that I was okay. So I went and took the test on uh, Friday morning. I was able to find a place that was doing tests, but I was looking online and it was really hard to figure out um, where to get a test at because most of the places that I looked, they were saying that if I went and took a test, so first of all, you have to go through the process. You have to answer some questions to see if you've been eligible for the test. So I was eligible for the test because I had a fever and I'm not sure exactly what my eligibility would have been. Maybe I'm just an old fart and I also uh, had a fever, but maybe if I was like a 16 year old or something like that, that had a fever, they probably might not have let me, let me go take a test. I'm not sure. I think anyone that really wants a test now can get one because there is, they do have the, the ramped up capacity to get it done. Problem is ramped up capacity means that everyone's out there getting tests. So I'm sitting there looking online and the soonest I could get into one of the places was Sunday at 11. So it's Thursday night now. I'm taking, and I'm trying to get into a place and the, 
it was like, what is that? Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So three days out, I was able to get a test. And three days later, I would have been feeling just fine. So I probably wouldn't have got a, went and got a test anyway. I would have probably just canceled it because I would have been like, oh yeah, that was just a 24-hour flu bug. Let me go ahead and just um, move on. Now in the environment that we're in today, I may have actually went and got that test anyway, just because I already told the person, you know, the the general manager at my company that I had a fever on Friday. So I was just going to be kind of taking it easy and working from home. And I said I was going to be getting a test done. So I probably would have went and got that test anyway, just to prove that I was not still sick. The problem was that with that test, it would have came back like six days later. Six days later. So with that being said, I would have had to stay out of work for six more days. Um, It just would have been a crazy situation because I had a fever. So that makes you not want to go take a test, right? That makes you not want to say anything, especially if I get a little bit of a sickness again. That's going to make me feel like, holy crap, I'm not going to go take, I'm not going to go and uh, tell anybody about it. And I'm not even going to go get a test because it's going to take six days before I could even get the results in the first place. Like it just discourages you from getting it done. But in any normal situation in life, like I did on Thursday morning, when I left my house, I just took some Advil, took some Sudafed and, and went on my way. Still being relatively cautious that day, but I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to go out and do my job, do my thing. And then on, um, and that's how, I think that's what most people are going to do in that type of situation, right? So I'm looking at the places, I'm looking at places online to find a test, and then I found one for the next day. So I was like, okay, great. I don't have to wait till Sunday. I'm going to go and sign up for this test as well. And I was able to do that in the, in the morning the next day. But then that one also said six to ten days before I'd get a result as well. But I was like, well, if I do it on Friday, then I do another one on Sunday, and it's six days from Friday, then I'd have that test back by Thursday. It might go ten days, so I'd have it back by Monday. Or I could get the test on Sunday as well. If I just do them both, at least maybe I'll get one of them back earlier than the next. And then I'll be good to go to know if I have COVID or not. It was just the... It was the most random thing, but most of these places, they're backed up because of capacity, because everyone's out there doing it. And then someone told me, oh yeah, the college kids have to go take tests in order to go back to college. So there's a, there's a huge backup because of that, because everyone's out there trying to get tests right now. Everyone's out there trying to prove that they don't have COVID so they can go back to school, go back to work, go back to their normal routine because everyone's freaked out about it because of everything that's going on right now. Because the way the press is... I mean, it, it, it needs to be hyped up in some way in the sense that the press needs to keep people aware of best practices, things like that. I'm okay with that stuff. It's just the fear-mongering that goes on every single day in my Facebook feed. You see... You know, millions are dying. Look how terrible the U.S. is taking taking this coronavirus thing. Look how it's just out of control in America and all that. Or just like the clickbait adver- or the clickbait articles that they have about how people are dropping dead left and right and all this stuff. Like, it's just there's so much misinformation out there because of the way that the articles are written and the way that the clickbait is there just trying to get you to read an article so they can make advertising revenue. 
and nobody really has the truth out there unless you dig into the articles right so everyone's freaked out everyone's terrified i mean my wife was freaked out and terrified she threw me in the guest room she would put stuff at the door and then i would have to open the door bring it into the room and then close the door everyone was supposed to stay away from dad all the kids were and stuff like that that's fine and i was obviously being precautious as well i was okay with that because i didn't want to end up giving my family someone in my family covid or give if, if that was the case but i didn't end up having covid so that's good so um so your your host here did not have to you know <laughs> have to quarantine himself for two weeks or whatever um but the reason why i'm saying this is because i was end up i did end up able to find a, a testing center through a friend like a, or a friend of my wife's wife's who um worked at one of these centers and it was a place where you can get the test done and i was able to get in there first thing in the morning friday morning nine o'clock in the morning and i had the test results back by noon and it came back negative and it's just i just saw the sort of the debacle in the entire system though and the debacle is the, the the weakness in the system is that everyone's trying to get tested labs are backed up like crazy right and it just puts a hindrance on the entire system to the point where a young healthy person might not go get tested for it because of the the way that the system the way that it's just gonna um, affect their life in the near future right just seemed weird to me that's all just uh, when i was looking all this stuff it just seemed weird to me because most people if they're sick, they're just going to take some Tylenol, take some Advil, get on the road and do what they're normally going to do. And that's it. You're going to take the medicine it's going to take to cover up the symptoms. But with COVID, since there is the possibility that you might give it to your grandmother or something who might then die from it, that those people are going to, uh, that, that we're just doing all of this work to protect that group of people so we're just doing this blanket test everybody test everybody test everybody when in my mind i'm just thinking to myself put the resources where they need to be and that is at if you're gonna use these resources i mean as libertarians we believe in self you know accountability and things like that and taking care of yourself and everyone have an individual and personal responsibility we believe in those issues, right? So the but if you're going to expend the resources as a nation, or if your state is going to expend those resources, or the federal government is going to spend those resources, why not put those into the place where it's going to do the most benefit, which is the 55 and up population, specifically the 65 and up population, because those are the ones that are most likely to die from it, but the 55 and up as well. Or even the 45 and up. But I was looking at the the numbers. And if you look at people that are younger, there's very few deaths. There's like a, almost a 0% chance of you dying from COVID if you're under 24. And I'll get into those numbers in a minute because I was talking about something else. So put the resources where they need to go. That is the entire point. If you're going to expend the resources, and that's the problem with government. Government does not expend resources where they go 
where they're going to do the most good. It's a political thing when the government spends resources. It goes to the politically well-connected. It goes to what's going to be the most popular thing to do. It goes to what's going to get me reelected. So everyone pushes an agenda based upon 500 people in Congress and getting them reelected and the people in the Senate and so forth because all the power is in the federal government over that spending. So the resources are going to go to everybody and it's going to be an irrational way to spend those resources because of the way that politics is. So let me get into the numbers on that then. If you're under 24 years old, there's been less than 300 deaths nationwide of people under 24 years old. I was looking at the CDC website because college football is something that's near and dear to my heart. You guys know this if you listen to the show. I am a diehard college football fan. During college football season, my entire Saturday is usually spent watching college football. I even had a podcast called Guys at the Bar Talking Sports for a while with some friends of mine where we just kind of hang out and drink and hit sit at the bar and talk sports with a microphone in front of us. Did that during the end of football season last year. We're going to do it the entire season this year as well. And we kind of stopped during COVID around March or so was the last time we did an episode because there just wasn't any sports to talk about. So we just were talking about the possibility of sports at that time and what was going to happen with COVID, but we were staying off of political issues. But if you know me, I'm a diehard college football fan, and I just love watching college football. And they're talking about canceling the college football season. I mean, I haven't got to look at the news lately, but or in the last hour or so. But it's very possible that they may have canceled the college football season. There's what's called the Power Five Conference, and there's or the Power Five Conference Five Conferences, which are like the the best of the best college football teams, right? Some of the conferences are stronger than others, but they of those Power Five conferences, they all kind of met as an emergency meeting on Sunday, which would be yesterday to determine the fate of the college football season. So it might have came out by now in the morning on Monday that they've canceled the college football season. But there's been a lot of talk about that, and I was looking at the numbers, and I was like, of people that are 15 to 24 on the CDC's website, there's been 223 deaths, I think it was, total of 5 million cases of COVID-19 that have been diagnosed, that have been shown as positive tests, 5 million positive tests in America. So we know that more than 5 million people have had COVID-19. Let's say double that number. So 10 million people have had COVID-19. But some people say it could be as high as 10 times the number of people that have been tested and found to have COVID-19, they say it could be 10 times more or even 20 times more people. So it could be 100 million people that have had COVID-19 in America. But let's take a reasonable number. Let's say 20 million people have had COVID-19 and there's been less than 300 deaths. There's been 223 deaths of people from 15 to 24. 
that's around the age that people are going to be in college, right? 15 to 24, but most of those college football players are probably 18 to 22, maybe 23, 18 to 23 years old. Some of them might be older if they registered as a freshman or if they're playing, you know, as a grad student or something like that. So let's say, but on average, they're going to be 18 to 24 years old. So you probably have 223, let's say most of those deaths that happened of those 15 to 24 year olds were people that were over 18. So let's say let's, let's, let's say it's 223 deaths total, 18 to 24. That is nearly a 0% chance of dying if you're a college football player from COVID. You are more likely to suffer a brain trauma you're more likely to suffer a leg injury, a season-ending season ending injury. You might die on the field. You might die in a car crash. You might die walking to class. You might die of cancer. There are so many more ways that people age 18 to 24 die in America than from COVID-19. There is no reason to end the college football season because of it. Now, with proper precautions, you could take care of the coaches. You could take care of the fans. Maybe they, they just play to empty stadiums. Maybe they have smaller groups that are able to go to the stadiums. Maybe they have every other seat in the stadium, every two, every third seat in the stadium. So ticket prices are a little bit higher because there are people that are still demanding to go. But at least... You can have the season for the players because there's a zero, 0% chance that they're going to die from COVID-19 if they get it. And that's just the way it is in that population. So I was doing all the research on this because I was just, um, as they're talking about canceling the college football season, and there's no rational reason to do it. Except for politics, except for... It's got to be politics. It really has to be politics. Because if you take the numbers, I mean, there has been more kids who died walking to school this year than have died of COVID-19. Or on an average basis, sorry. On an average basis, I think there's 100 kids per year that are school-age kids, 14 and under, that die walking to school on their way to school or on their way home. There are about, about 100 kids die getting hit by a car or whatever. And I think if you do the numbers 14 and under, there's been like 67. I, I'd have to look it up again. But as less than 100 kids have died from COVID-19 than walking to school on an average year. It's insane to think that we're going to shut down the entire nation, the entire school, all the schools in the nation, all the elementary school, middle schools, high schools, all of the colleges are talking about doing, like not all of them, but a lot of them are talking about doing online classes. My school district here in South Carolina 
They're going to have the kids in a couple different phases where the phase one, they're going to be doing it from home. Phase two, the kids are going to go in middle school. They'll go to school two days a week and do the other three days from home. The elementary school age kids are going to go for, and they're going to be in work learning or learning pods of like 10 kids where they all stay together the entire day. Like it's just, I understand the, the, the challenges of the teachers face who are going to be teaching those kids. But I'm just trying to figure out what's the average age of a teacher. And then you give the teachers the proper precaution that they need to teach the kids. And not to defend public schools. As a libertarian, we tend to shy away from that, right? We, we tend to hope that everything gets privatized. And if there's going to be funding that's going to go towards the schools, it should be in the parents' hands on where that money goes. That's generally how libertarians are going to look at it. And if you get to the extreme levels, we would say everything should be privatized no matter what. And that you should send your kids to school of your choice where you want that child to go. And so forth. So not to defend the public schools, but get, get the kids to school and let them, get, let them get into school, you know? And give the teachers the proper things that they need to protect themselves. Because the the American Pediatric Association, I'm, I'm I'm not sure if that's exactly what the organization is called, but they have said that they should get the kids into school. If they can't be six feet apart, make it three feet apart. But get the kids into school. I heard of a story of somebody that passed away that was like an... Uh, under 20, maybe he was like 18 or 19 years old, had graduated a year or so ago, and uh, he died from like fentanyl or heroin overdose, but the ability for people to be in a situation right now where they're going to have a drug overdose has gone way up because you are taking away a lot of the extracurricular stuff that these kids are doing. A lot of the things that they might have been doing that don't involve drugs, they may have, you know, not have had the suicides that they have now. There might not, I mean, I guarantee the suicide rate's going up. I haven't had a chance to look at it in a while, but they were talking about in April that it was going up. So what about May, June, July, August now? I'm sure that number is going up because you're shutting down an entire society when you should put that money and the resources and the focus should be on the most vulnerable because there is a vulnerable population with this with this so let me get off of that subject though let me get off that subject i just wanted to talk about that college football thing cuz i am you know i i just think that they should get keep the college football season going i think they should keep the schools get the schools going back the way that they normally have been I think that it's just the way that they are going about trying to treat this disease. The cure is definitely worse than the than the disease. And it's become a political thing. That's all it is. It's a political thing. It comes down to it's an election year. Everyone's trying to cover their own tail. Everyone's trying to politically um, posture in order to get 
their guy elected or their guy into office or whatever. I mean, look at Trump with this executive order. And that was the kind of the next topic that I want to talk about anyway. Trump's talking about doing this executive order where he's going to get money that's already been, you know, determined to be spent by the Congress. And he's going to take that and put it into $400 a week extended benefits for unemployment rather than a 600. And I talked about this whenever they turned out, they, they had the $600 unemployment benefit anyway, from the federal level, there has never been a federal level benefit for unemployment in the first place. This was a payout. This was all it was, was a political payout to people in order to win points in their minds, I would imagine. And to get the states hooked and the people hooked on a federal employee benefit. The employee, this federal unemployment benefit is never going to go away, guys. It is a, it is now officially a permanent benefit or payment or tax on you. It's permanent. It's something that's never going to go away. But they, they sneak it in there. Because if you go on unemployment, typically what happens is you go to your state and they're gonna they're, there's unemployment insurance that your employer pays and then that money gets paid out to you at like a percentage of your pay, a, a percentage of your pay with a max of a certain amount. And I think like the max in some states is like around 200 bucks. In other states, it's like 400 bucks. It might be a little bit more. But the point is, is that at least you have a little bit of something to get you through until you find another gig, right? That's it. But with a $600 benefit from the federal government, so you're going to get a percentage of your pay, something around two to $500 or two to $400 depending on the state you're living in, plus the $600 on top of that. So you're a 18 year old McDonald's worker. All of a sudden you're making that much money. Why would you want to go back to work? There'd be no reason to, right? No reason to at all. So that is never going to happen. Trump with this executive order just signs into signs it and says, all right, now we're going to have that an extra $400 a month. And that's going to go through January. It's political posturing. It's all it is. It looks good for him against the Democrats who he blames for not getting a compromise done in Congress and in the Senate in order to pass more benefits for the American people is what they say it is. But these are benefits for them so they get reelected is what it is. So Donald Trump looks better. You know, that's political posturing. And then on top of that, he waves or defers, because I looked at the news and it said defers the payroll tax. That's the tax that they charge, 7% of your income, 7.5% I think it is, goes to pay for Social Security and Medicare. And he deferred that. So think about this. You get it paid every single week. 7% gets taken out of your check and it goes into your employer holds that money. And then they pay that at the end of the year for you. So you're going to have to pay that. It's a deferment, right? 
And Donald Trump said, well, you know, if I get reelected, I will push to get it permanent. So elect me so that we so you're not going to have to pay 7% of your income back. Or I guess it would be 3.5% of your income back, I guess, because we're halfway through the year. So if he gets that done through the end of the year, where he defers it, you might have to pay a check. If you let's say you make thirty thousand dollars a year, you got to pay three and a half percent of that, basically back to the government. So you're not going to be getting a tax check back at the end of the year or next year if you happen to get paid, you know, back some of those taxes that you paid in already. But you're going to have to pay that back. So that, but that's just him political posturing, you know? All those things that they're doing. Oh, another one was getting rid of the the uh, ability for the banks to foreclose on homes and also um, rent. Like, this guy is just doing these populist things that a essentially a dictator would do. And just executive orders. And if you're okay with that, then you better say you were okay with Barack Obama doing executive orders in the past as well. You better not have been complaining back when he was signing those executive orders. And the Democrats that are complaining against Donald Trump doing executive orders now better not be complaining or better not have been defending Barack Obama when he was doing executive orders because executive orders are done when the politician thinks that the Congress isn't doing their job. That's what they always say. But it's a power grab by the executive. We need to hold these politicians accountable, whether it's your guy or not, to not overstep the Constitution. That's what it comes down to. But but you'll take that bait. You'll say, oh, well, you know what? If Congress would just do their job, that's the same exact line that Barack Obama used, that Bill Clinton used, that George Bush used, that first George Bush used, that Ronald Reagan used, that all of these presidents that sign executive orders use every time they take away a little bit more freedom or overstep their constitutional authority. Executive orders are something that these presidents are going to do, and it's only going to get worse down the road when we get a Joe Biden into office, a Kamala Harris into office, a whoever becomes president down the road, they're only going to take what Donald Trump did, that's the precedent that's being set, and take it one step further. Every president does it. Every president tries to over-assert the Constitution. Every president will try to take on more power because that's what their goal is, is to get their agenda through at all costs, whatever it takes. So just be aware of that. Let's be aware of that. Be consistent in your view. If you're a Donald Trump supporter that's listening to this show and you are critiquing Barack Obama for executive orders, you need to critique your guy about executive orders as well. Hold him accountable. Hold him accountable. But Ray, but listen, man, we need to get him elected. We can't have Joe Biden as the president of the United States. Look what he's going to do. He's going to turn us into a socialist country. How is what Donald Trump is doing right now not socialist? We live in a socialist country already, guys. We need a president who is going to limit government. That's what we need. 
We're gonna Joe Biden's not gonna turn us into a more socialist country than we already are. This is a socialist country. Every country in the world is socialist right now. There's very few free countries. There are very few countries that have very limited government that doesn't try to trample on people's rights. If you don't think we're a socialist country, just think about it. 60% of the healthcare costs in America come from the public sector, from the government. Federal, local, or state. How is that not socialism? If you think about education, that's a socialist construct as well. The educational system. Every child goes to a public school. Very few go to a private school. That's socialism, guys. The government dictates the wages that a company has to pay you. That's socialism. Yeah, we're not communists. We're not in that situation right there. But we're not a free market economy. The government dictates what the insurance companies have to charge you. The, go- the government dictates what your employer has to pay you. The government dictates the number of hours you're allowed to work. The government dictates everything about everything in your life. In some way, that's what it comes down to. It's not a free market economy by any means. Libertarians like to think that free market economies are going to be the best economies in the world. I don't know because no one's really tried it. There's not like a super free market economy. And that doesn't mean that there's going to be no, there's it's going to be some sort of utopia if there was. But to defend America as some sort of free market economy is not tr- is not the truth. So having Barack Obama as the president, having Donald Trump as the president, whoever it is, they're all just one sort of socialist or one sort of person that wants to take control of more stuff. Be consistent. Executive orders, no matter who does it, is just a president taking power away. But anyway, let me go ahead and wrap up the show. I appreciate you joining me and listening to the show for another Monday uh, show. This is Ion 2020. If you guys want to check it out, what you can do is subscribe to the show, especially if it's your first time listening, subscribe to the show, and then you'll be able to hear it uh, every Monday and Thursday when I put out the show, okay? Another thing you could do if you'd like to, if you really like the show, you can go to give me a five-star rating review. That helps me to, you know, get seen through other podcatchers. It'll also help, you know, if someone's searching like Libertarian Podcast on Apple and iTunes, they'll be able to find the show there as well. They come up in the search results. If you want to know more about libertarianism, um, I do post a lot of articles and stuff like that. But um, if you want to know like more about like the news from a libertarian perspective as well, uh, you can check out iontheempire.com. I post a lot of articles there. I also uh, do some stuff on Facebook through I Am the Empire. If you just type in at I Am the Empire, you'll find it as well as on Twitter also. Okay. Um, if you ever want to email me, you can do that as well, ray at iontheempire.com. And then the best thing you can do, though, is to come back on Thursday so you can have clear vision for 2020.